Welcome to episode four of Nakchang Rinpoche and Kandrad HN talking about the Gurkha Changlo Day. In this episode, they explore the differences between the ordination robes of the monastic and the Nakpang Sanghas, discuss the importance of lineage in Vajrayana, address accusations of Nakpas being showy in their dress, and explain the phenomenon of persecution through praise. Good morning, Rinpoche and Kandrad can you say something about the differences in the robes of the monastic and the Nakpang Sanghas? Um, perhaps something also about the heterodox, less uniform nature of the Nakpa costume. Well, this relates to um, the two principles that we were discussing on the previous occasion. This is the principles of the Yanas, um, the principle of renunciation and the principle of transformation. So renunciation begin belonging to Sutra and transformation belonging to Tantra, the vehicle of Tantra. So um, if we go for renunciation first, this concerns um, the monks and nuns who here the principle of renunciation is renouncing um, attachment to the world, the phenomena of the world. And so they retreat from the world and go and live in a monastery or a nunnery. Um, they're also renouncing attachment to self and self-identity and individuality. So this is why monks and nuns all wear the same costume. And they shave their head because hair represents impurity and they're renouncing um, uh, the impurity that's is symbolized by the hair in this vehicle and also if you shave your head you have no chance of um, using your hair um, to create that individuality to adorn yourself with individuality so everybody looks mm -hmm. the same because if you mm -hmm. shave your head it, <laughs> it has a massive effect on your appearance in terms of your individuality um, See, my head is becoming increasingly pure over the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So this explains the costume, uh, the renunciate costume of the monks and nuns. But then with um, the Nakpang Sangha, their ordination is based in Tantrayana, the vehicle of Tantra. And here the, um, the principle is transformation um, so here we're working with um, the fact that impurity doesn't have to be cut off or renounced. Impurity is transformed. So this explains why the Nakpang Sangha have uncut hair. They don't remove the hair because it's not a problem. Um, in fact, the hair is a symbol of the intimate connection with the yidams, the meditational deities, uh, which, which is the speciality of tantra, uh, awareness spell mantra, and the, the methods of practice of the yidam. So um, the hair is actually seen as the either the abode of the yidam, or the fact that the hair is actually the yidam, the meditational deity, or another symbolic view is that it is the um, 
the male and female realized principle of the Pawo and the Kandro. So there are various views of what the hair symbolizes. Um, so in this case, to cut your hair would be damaging because you would be destroying your method of practice and you would be destroying realized beings by cutting your hair. So the principle there is to look after your hair, not to shave it off. Um, the heterodox nature of the, the costume, um, the, the, the foundation of Tantra is emptiness. Um, so here there is some understanding then we're moving from emptiness, the base, into form. So there is no problem then with multiplicity and variety and variegation. So um, this explains somewhat why the Nakpa costume is not such a uniform. It, it has such a variety of styles and traditions um, based on lineage, um, mm -hmm. based on school, because the Nakpa tradition goes throughout the schools apart from the the Gaelic school. Um, what's what's interesting here in, in terms of heterodoxy, um, you know, if you look at the cardigan that Kandradeshan is wearing, the, the, this is a Western cardigan. It's not part of a robe. The reason she's wearing it, it was it was given to her by Kunzang Doja Rinpoche. This is the cardigan he used to wear. So there are items of clothing that come to be important mm. because of who gave it to you. So it's not that Kandradeshan has chosen to wear a Western cardigan with her robes. It was because it was given by Kunzang Doja Rinpoche. And so uh, it, it's that level of meaning that is also important. Mm. This seems to affirm what you were saying earlier about it being the relationship with the Lama that's important in Vajrayana, not uh, any kind of hierarchy. But the Lama is still part of a lineage. With our students, they've always been able to go to Kunzang Doja Rinpoche while he was alive and now to Jomo Sampel. And that whole lineage is something that everyone respects and, uh, and reveres. And you know, one is accountable to it. You know, it's not that the Lama is a is a uh, is a free agent. And even though now Jomo uh, Sampal um, Rinpoche is is the last of our um, Lamas, we now have the incarnations of Dujum Rinpoche, uh, the Tibetan incarnation, and the Bhutanese incarnation. And now we relate to them. And it's really yet to be um, established what the nature of that relationship will be. They both promised to come to Dralajong. And so that continues. And so the Lama is not an isolated person who, who, who invents arbitrary rules or whatever. But um, the students of any Lama look to their own Lama first and are inspired by the lineage and by the teachers of the Lama. So in Vajrayana we have lineage rather than hierarchy or institution. I mean, for example, uh, Lama Bhatia Dorji spent, has spent a lot of time with Kunzang Dorji Rinpoche 
he used to go over to see him every year and, and they had a really uh, very close relationship and now there are many um, uh, students who have a close relationship with his sangyum, with um, you know, Jomo uh, Sampo Dejin Rinpoche, and um, some go out to see her every year. And so th this relationship is extremely important with the whole lineage and with uh, associates. I mean, we have um, a great deal of association with the Dudramte Lamas. And so, uh, you know, as well as having our grandmother, we also have uncles and aunts in that sense. It, it, it's a whole family, so that even though uh, we don't teach Dujamte, we are highly associated with that lineage and with the lamas of that lineage. And so we're accountable to them and what their preferences are, what, how they wish you know, uh, uh, to steer things. So, uh, and, and uh, that would be the case for any lama. But if costume. I, yes, if I can <laughs> say a little bit more about the costume. Mm. Um, there is this pervasive idea which has exist, uh, existed for centuries about the idea that ngakpas and ngakmas are very showy. In terms of if you wear the right skirt, then it's deemed that you are showing off in terms of realization. Um, it's very in interesting that in the um, 17th century, a reincarnate lama, um, Yolmo Tenzin Norbu, got so fed up of this idea. He, he was originally a monk who then um, became a Nakpa later on um, in his 20s, having been a monk at first. And he got so fed up with the idea of being accused of showing off by wearing off the accoutrements the white robes of the Nakpa, that he um, posed the question, how is it that monks um, can wear the red robe and shave their head if they've not attained the realization of Shakyamuni Buddha? Mm -hmm. Which is very you know, interesting that this is, is, has come from the 17th century. And so this view has come down through the ages. And we are accused of being a very showy tradition because we wear the robes as we are instructed to. In actual fact, um, some of the Ngakpang Sangha will say they don't wear the, the robes because they feel uncomfortable with the comments that they will get from other people for showing off, wearing your realization on your sleeve almost. <laughs> and um, we, we're accused of the same, but we, Actually, as a Sangha, we have no choice about what we wear because for us, it's a matter of religious commitment, religious doctrine, that we um, carry out the instruction of our root lamas. And Kunzan Dorje instructed all of our Sangha to wear the white skirt, to wear the correct apparel for the Nakpa Sangha um, in order to show people um, that it is possible that, or to show the existence of this path. Um, and he's always been very um, strong in wearing the correct apparel for the Nakpa Sangha. Um, 
And also the Dalai Lama's been quite strong. He, in 2009, he instructed when he was in Ladakh, um, both monks and nuns to wear the correct costume and to abide by their vows. And also the Nakhang Sangha to wear the correct costume and abide by their um, tradi tradition and vows um, in Tantra. So for us, it's no, there is no choice. We have to do it, regardless of what people say. And is that anyone in the Sangha that wears the robes, or is that these, after ordination? Yes, these are the ordained members of the Sangha. Um, for our apprentices, they wear a shawl, just um, to show that they are... Um, it's, it's a practice shawl, so they adopt and wear the shawl when they practice. You, you see, there are, there are two ways to persecute a group of people. Uh, one is obvious. You persecute them. Everyone can see that. You diminish them. You ridicule them. All those things are well understood. What is uh, more subversive is to praise them. You make the costume so illustrious that no one's allowed to wear it. And this is one of the things that's happened. Um, because the Gurkha Changlode were practicing outside the monasteries, um, th the best thing to do was to stop them wearing their costumes so no one would recognize them. If everyone had to wear simply lay clothes and dress down, uh, they wouldn't be recognized, no one would go to them as spiritual teachers. And this has persisted for a thousand years until there is this ethos of if you wear the proper costume, you're, you're boasting, you're bragging, which is not the case at all. Uh, if this was the case, if by wearing a white skirt I was saying I'm Mr. Wonderful, then why should I get my own students to wear it? I would be the only one wearing it if it was a matter of prestige, and I wanted prestige, if that's what I was trying to say. Evidently, everyone who takes ordination wears the clothes of the ordination, just as a monk or nun wear their clothes of ordination. That is all they are. They are nothing more than that. Um, it was Dudra Membrache who first specified what I would wear. I didn't even ask for ordination. Uh, Dudra Membrache just gave it to me and told me that I should be wearing this. And he specified the shamtab, the tonga, the shawl. He specified everything. He wrote it down in a letter for the tailor because the tailor couldn't speak any English. This was back in 1971. So there was a letter to the tailor as to what to make and what fabric to buy. I had to go off into Kathmandu because there wasn't a fabric shop in Boda at the time. And I had to buy the fabric, take it back to Boda, give it to the tailor, it was made. So if anybody thinks that one shouldn't be wearing it, they don't have an argument with us, they have an argument with Dudra Membrache. And I, I don't think there are many Nyingmas who would want to have an argument with Dudra Membrache, even though he's no longer with us. Uh, no one would do that. He was, a, he was the most respected Lama of the last two centuries. 
Um, and also, he didn't give me the robes to wear because I had realization of some kind. I was just some idiot who arrived from England. I, I, I may have been an idiot who was highly enthusiastic about the lineage, but I had no special qualities. So they weren't given to me as a mark of respect, they were given as a mark of commitment and something to help me maintain my practice. That's what they were and that's how they're given now. So uh, one simply has to look at that and there suddenly is no question anymore unless you wish to have an argument about what Dujum Rinpoche said, about what Kunzang Dojo Rinpoche said, or Chimi Rigson Rinpoche, or, or one of uh, a dozen lamas who've all said the same thing. I think that about wraps it up, doesn't it, for that? I mean, you know, if anyone's got an argument, well, good luck to you.